Welcome, folks, to the third episode of No Conference for Old Men, the podcast where a couple of old guys are talking college basketball, focused on the Houston Cougars and the Big 12, but also with a bit of national big game coverage sprinkled in along the way. In our first two episodes, we provided a detailed view into the 23-24 Houston Cougars team and then the Big 12 Conference. So for those interested, please do go back and have a listen to those earlier episodes. Today, we move on to a national view, providing our own projected top 25 preview. We're recording this, by coincidence, on the day the AP and USA Today released their preseason polls as well. So we'll compare to see how we did as we go through our list. I will say up front that there were three teams the AP included and two the coaches poll included that we did not. And so those were Villanova, Alabama, and Illinois. I'm Steve Chang, your co-host for this podcast, Houston grad of 82, and the big data analytics geek of the show that will be breaking down the teams and games based on advanced analytics. And my name is Tom Lidiak. I'm a UH grad also, college basketball junkie, big Houston Cougar fan, and I I still do a little bit of uh, high school basketball coaching. Okay, let's get right into it. We were unsuccessful last week in trying to keep our episode to under 45 minutes covering the Big 12 Conference. It's going to be that much more challenging trying to cover 25 teams this week, especially with the intent to also do a deep dive on three of the teams we want to feature, and those are going to be FAU, Arizona, and North Carolina. But let's give it a shot here as we continue to get better at this podcasting thing. So similar to last week, we each respectively came up with our top 25 list. Obviously, in this case, there was a lot more variability between our two lists versus our Big 12 projections, but still pretty good alignment. Out of all 25 teams, we only differed on two teams each, with Tom including Memphis and New Mexico, while I included UCLA and Kansas State. But after assigning points and re-ranking based on combining our respective rankings, let's go backwards in our consolidated list and provide some insights into what we think of each team in our combined top 25. Let's start at 25. And Tom, I cannot believe you made me do a preview of Penny's undisciplined Memphis team. I thought we were rid of these guys after heading to the Big 12. Anyways, why don't you start off and uh, provide your preview of, of Memphis at number 25. Okay, Steve, uh, we got Memphis. At, I had him in my top 25, led by the bottle throwing Penny Hardaway. Uh, they only have one returning. I believe it's uh, one of his sons, 12 new players. Uh, eight of those come from the portal, four freshmen. The key additions they have is uh, Alabama guard Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, another guard from Florida State via U of H. And then there's an interesting piece to Memphis' team. They get a big guy, Jonathan Pierre, who, uh, who played for the D2 National Champs. They get David Jones from St. John's, averaged 13 points a game, seven rebounds. That's a big uh, that's a big pickup for them. Jaquan Walton, who we played against in the American from Wichita State, averaged 14 points a game, five rebounds. He's a six-seven guard. Big question mark for them is the eligibility of DeAndre Williams. Not sure if uh, have the, the latest I heard was it was still up in the air, but if they grant him a 27th year of eligibility. <laughs> Then, then you know that that could take Memphis to the next level. Memphis, they do play good defense. That's one thing they do. Uh, you know, uh, Penny has his team playing playing good defense. I would say the ceiling for this team would be the round of thirty two. Seen as the disappointment, I'd say not making the tournament. Uh, I think most people surrounding a Memphis program would be uh, would be disappointed. Great, 
Yeah, Tom, the analytics were actually really impressive for Memphis last season, all joking aside. But however, Memphis was unranked in both the AP and coaches preseason poll. If you look at the analytics, they were number 20 last year in Kempom overall adjusted efficiency margin. They play with a pretty fast pace at number 22 in the country. And ultimately, they've been hanging their hat on D, ranking 38th in Kempom's adjusted defensive efficiency by defending every shot with effective field goal percentage ranking number 26. But alas, we can always count on Memphis's lack of discipline, ranking 196th in turnover percentage. They had heavy turnover in players, as you had highlighted. And my top three projected players, based on Bart Torvik's player box plus minus, have Javon Quinterly from Alabama at plus 3.8, Jaquan Walton, Wichita State transfer at plus 4.2. And then you also highlighted the unknown kid, Jonathan Pierre from Nova Southeast University. Now, as we go to number 24, we have UCLA, and they were number 25 in the coaches' poll, but unranked in the AP poll. Go ahead, Tom. Mick Cronin is an excellent coach. Uh, back when he was coaching at Cincinnati, a lot of uh, knockdown, dragout games uh, versus U of H. They're kind of mirror image of uh, Kelvin Sampson's team. They're going to, you know, they played tough, they played gritty, they played hard, they they were competitive. A lot of different players we'll see on UCLA, but I don't think you're going to see any style change from UCLA and, and, and Mick Cronin. Awesome. Looking at the analytics, they were number three last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. They play with a really slow pace, not quite as slow as Houston, but, but ranked number 235th in adjusted tempo. Cronin's historical emphasis on D has been a hallmark, as you had highlighted, ranking number two in Ken Palm's adjusted efficiency, and they really challenge every shot with effective field goal percentage ranking at number 27. On the flip side, UCLA was 21st in offensive adjusted efficiency, emphasizing taking good shots while protecting the ball. They have heavy, heavy turnover in players, and for my projected top three, I had Adem Bona, their center that will definitely be playing in the NBA at a plus 5.0. Dylan Andrews, the backup point guard, that was a plus 2.7 last year. And if you can believe it, the third most important player is a freshman. And I'm going to butcher the name, Burke Bayontensel, a freshman from Turkey that needs to score for them to succeed. Now, if we go to the next team we've got on our list, number 23, it's St. John's, and they were actually unranked in both the coaches and AP poll. Go ahead, Tom. When we talk about St. John's, the big story is uh, Rick Patino. He's heading back, heading back to the big time here. He's going to have 10 new players, eight from the portal, uh, two high school recruits. However, that transfer class is a top 10 transfer class led by shooting guard Jordan Dingle from Penn, who averaged 23 points a game in the Ivy League. Uh, they do return a center, Joel Soriano, who averaged 15 points a game and, and, and 12 rebounds. So if there's anybody, if there's any coach in the country that can mold a bunch of new players together quickly, that's Rick Pitino, another Hall of Fame coach. You know, Rick Pitino is going to have his team playing hard, competitive, unselfish. I would put their ceiling this year as round of 32 and seen as disappointing by their fans and people surrounding the program would be not making not making the tournament. From an analytics perspective, if you look at St. John's, they were number 82 last year in Ken Palm's overall adjusted efficiency margin. 
But quite honestly, the analytics are meaningless given Rick Pitino is the new head coach and why primarily we have them ranked at all. Looking at Iona's stats, just to get a, a feel for how St. John's will play this next season, they'll likely be complementary on both offensive and defensive play, play at a good pace. And on offense, they're going to protect the ball, being low in turnovers, and on D, they'll defend like heck, ranking top 20 in effective field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and block percentage when you look at Iona's play last season. As you highlighted as well, Tom, heavy roster turnover, and rightly so, since he's trying to turn things around immediately. Joel Soriano is really the top player at a plus 6.2. And if you look at others to look for, you've got Dennis Jenkins, a plus 4.1 from Iona, and Jordan Dingle, plus 5.7 from Penn. Now, as we head to number 22, it's the first team we're actually going to do a deep dive on, and this is the University of North Carolina. And from an AP poll perspective, they were preseason ranked 19th. and the coaches poll, they were preseason ranked 21st. So actually, both polls have them ranked even higher than we do. What do you think, Tom? Steve, the big story about North Carolina is what happened last year in the, uh, the preseason year. Last year, they were the preseason number one team in the, in, the, in the country, and they didn't even make the tournament. So, uh, you know, Carolina is one of the top three or four uh, Blue Blood programs the, you know, they're an elite program. And when you don't make the tournament, you know, that's uh, that's not, not good for the people on Tar Hill Road, Tobacco Road. The season before that, they had a 15-point lead in the national championship game to Kansas and, and, and lost that one. So that was a huge disappointment for Carolina last year. They lose Caleb Love, who's off to Arizona. They lose uh, Puff Johnson to the portal. They lose Leaky Black and Pete Nance running out of eligibility. We just say they graduated, right, Steve? Now they just <laughs> now, now they just say they run out of eligibility. That's right. So I'm not sure not sure what that's all about. They do return two cornerstones though, in big man Armando Baycott and also guard R.J. Dav- uh, Davis. They add five from the portal. They picked up a five star point guard Elliot Cadeau. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, and Moles that are in the program that have been leaking information, they say he's he's really good. He's a distributor, which will be a lot different from the guards they had last year when they had Caleb Love and they had R.J. Davis in the back. Those guys never met a shot they didn't take or like. Uh-huh. Uh, at the you know, and that when you have Armando Baycott down there, you you know your offense has to go through him. Two guards, they'll start R.J. Davis, averaged sixteen points a game last year. They did get a transfer uh, from Notre Dame. Cormac Ryan, two years ago, he shot 40% from three-point land. Not as good last year. Uh, they get a Stanford transfer, probably their starting four-man, Harrison Ingram. Good passer. This is going to help Carolina's ball movement because last year it was atrocious. You know, it's like yep. when everybody got the ball, it was a black hole. Yep. So he plays more like a point guard. Uh, so that's really going to help their ball movement. And then you get to Armando Baycott. He has a school record for rebounds and double-doubles. You have to get your your offense has to go through him this year. The ceiling for Carolina, in my opinion, is elite eight. Uh, seen as disappointing would be not advancing to at least the Sweet Sixteen. North Carolina was number forty three last year in Ken Palm's overall adjusted efficiency margin. They play with good pace, ranked number ninety ninth in adjusted tempo. They were good on offense, ranking adjusted efficiency at 
51, and good at defensive adjusted efficiency at number 46. As you dig in deeper, on offense, they shot terribly, but protected the ball well, ranking 25th in turnover percentage. On defense, the best thing they do is defensive rebound at number 12. They have seven new players, only two freshmen. For my projected top three players, Bart Torvik players box plus minus had Armando Baycott at plus 5.8, RJ Davis at plus 5.1, and I'm going to throw in a surprise at number three with Harrison Ingram, the transfer from Stanford with a plus 4.2. I think he's going to be a phenomenal fit for what they're looking for at the four position. Now, why would we have UNC ranked given their okay analytics last season? Simple answer is addition by subtraction with Caleb Love moving on, and they just have too much talent with Baycott and Davis as the foundation. Looking at the season before, when they had like one half away from the national championship, I did a deeper dive in comparing the last two seasons. Season to season, they were only a bit better on offense during their final four run. Adjust efficiency scores of ranking 18th versus 51st last season. Shooting a bit better and taking better care of the ball, but still high good on offense even last year. Defensively, basically about the same over the two full seasons. Adjusted efficiency numbers of 35th versus 46th last year. But then if you do an even deeper dive into their final 13 games from after their February 16th, 2022 loss to Pitt, UNC's offense remained extremely consistent during that time staying within half a point of their norm in raw offensive efficiency score during that stretch. However, on the raw effectiveness from a defensive perspective, they really tightened up by almost four full points from 100.5 points to 96.22 points. That's a crazy jump to end the season. To give you a sense of how good their D was during that run, Houston's raw defensive efficiency numbers as the number nine defense in the country during their 2021 Final Four one was 94.38. So really, really close. So the key is whether with the additions of Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan, can UNC tighten their defense to top 25 levels? They do that, and our number 22 ranking is low, and they could be making another championship run. We'll see. Now, Continue to move, we had a tie at number 20. And the first one we're going to cover is USC. And they were 21 on the AP preseason poll and number 22 in the coaches poll. Tom, what do you think of USC? Well, USC, uh, they have a lot of talent. You know, like just like every other team, they lost some players and then they, they, they have some other players coming back. They play an exciting uh, brand of ball. They, they've got skilled players. So looking for... Uh, Andy Enfield to get USC in the tournament and to make a run this year. I would say their ceiling for USC, Sweet 16, seen as disappointing, losing in the round of 32. From an analytics perspective, they were number 45 last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. They play with a medium pace. They were what I would consider high good at number 49 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency but just missing my top 40 threshold for being a top team in in either front. They were elite defending every shot with effective field goal percentage, ranking number 11th in the country, and were ranked 16th in block percentages. But they don't pressure the ball well, turn the ball over a ton, 
and they were outside number 175 in both of those categories. They're very stable with eight returning players. For my projected top three players based on Bart Torvik's player box plus minus, we had Boogie Ellis that I would never have guessed would be uh, plus 6.3, Kobe Johnson at plus 7.5, and DJ Rodman, the Washington State transfer at a plus 4.4. Next, we had tied at 20th was Texas, kind of a conference mate for one more season in the Big 12. Steve, before we go on to Texas, a few more things about USC I'd like to add. Uh, you know, sure. big question mark is Ronnie James had the heart attack in the in the yeah, summer. Absolutely. Uh, uh, it's not Good point. we're not sure. You know what, what's how about his his health? Uh, you did mention Boogie Ellis. You know, he used to play for Memphis. Really good player, DJ Rodman. A little tidbit: that's uh, Dennis's son. Yeah, and then uh, they did get the number one recruit in the country, Isaiah Collier. Uh, five-star point guard, tremendous size at 6'5". So you look at their potential starting five, that's, you know, it's pretty solid. Ceiling, that's, like I said, is probably Sweet 16, Elite 8, getting knocked out in the round of 32, probably seen as disappointing. And Steve, you said we move on to Texas, correct? Texas, yes. Yeah, Texas, uh, we covered in our Big 12 preview We'll see Rodney Terry, interim coach last year. He had the whole Chris Beard uh, uh, situation last year. Started over a $6 pair of broken cheaters, uh, I believe it was. <laughs> so that <laughs> cost him a lot of money, I think. Yep. Uh, but I think the key here is you know, how Rodney Terry transitions from interim coach like he was last year now to, to calling shots from, from the get-go. Uh, they've had some roster changes too, but overall – you know, there's 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 talent there. I projected them. I think number three in the in the Big Twelve. I think you did. Uh, right, yeah. yeah, right there with Baylor. I think we had Baylor at four, Texas at three. So they, you know, there's a lot of pieces they have uh, had to have a really good team this year. No, I think we had Baylor Baylor third, and then we, yeah, yeah, you're yep. right, you're right, yep. Steve. Yeah, we had Baylor third. We had Texas fourth. Yep. So yep. okay, from an analytics perspective. Boy, they loved Texas last year. They were number five in Ken Palm's overall adjusted efficiency margin, top 15 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. But they've got seven new players. Terry has a lot to prove in year two. That's all I'm going to say on the Longhorns. Now, going to number 19, we've got Kentucky, and they were preseason ranked 16th in AP and the coaches poll. So what do you think of Kentucky? Kentucky led by John Calipari. Boy, he's in, in Kentucky. They they live and breathe, you know, with their with their basketball. Uh, rabid fans, high expectations every year. Pretty much, if you don't win a national championship every year at Kentucky, you know you've you, you failed. They've been perceived as underachievers last couple of years. So yep. you know it's uh, you know it's going to be uh, maybe a hot seat for Coach Calipari. Antonio Reeves is the only player returning who started the game. Eight of their 13 scholarship players are going to be freshmen. Granted, those freshmen are really good. They have the number th- uh, three, number six, and number 20th ranked players in that class. They do lose Oscar Shibway, big center, 16 points a game, 14 rebounds. And they do get a, uh, a transfer, Trey Mitchell, five-man. That maybe offsets the, the loss of Shibway a little bit. He's coming from uh, uh, West Virginia via Texas via UMass. So he's, he's <laughs> got a lot. He's uh, America's guest, you know, bags are, yeah. bags are packed, ready to go. 
I'd say the ceiling for Kentucky this year is a Sweet 16 team. And seen as disappointing, like I said, if they don't win the national championship every year, they're seen as, <laughs> as disappointing. But uh, in fairness, you know, minimum Sweet 16. And if they don't get past that, probably seen as disappointing. Okay. From an analytics perspective, they were number 27 last year in Ken Palm's overall adjusted efficiency margin. Play with a slow pace. They were actually really strong on offense, ranking number 17th in offensive adjusted efficiency, which is surprising given how much criticism Calipari receives on that side of the ball. But as usual, they were high good on defense, ranking 68th in adjusted efficiency on that side of the ball. But if you dig in deeper, their offensive efficiency was based on offensive rebounding percentage, ranking number one in the country, and scoring quickly after those offensive rebounds, ranking number two in Hosel Metrics quick points off of offensive rebounds. Defensively, they were bad at forcing turnovers, but really good at every other key metric. There's heavy turnover with players with nine new players, but as you highlighted, number one recruiting class in the country. For my projected top three players, based on Bart Torvik's player box plus minus, I had Antonio Reeves at a plus 2.9, Justin Edwards, freshman five-star, and then DJ Wagner, another freshman five-star. Now, as we move on, we're up to number 18th, where we have Miami, and they were preseason ranked 13th in both AP and coaches poll. Steve, before we go into Miami, a little tidbit about the DJ Wagner kid. Yeah. Correct? Yes. You know, our podcast is no, called No Conference for Old Men. Well, we both <laughs> remember DJ Wagner's grandfather. We did. For Louisville, Milton. Yes. Milton <laughs> Wagner. He was 1983. Good. Yes. He was really yes. good. So now uh, going on to Miami, Final Four appearance last year. They lost two players to the NBA. Uh, Isaiah Wong really uh, always liked his game. Yeah. Uh, Really, really, and a really, really good player. That was their two leading scores they lost. They do return six players. I really like Nigel Pack. I know in the in the U of H game, you know he he killed us, but he returns. He's a forty percent shooter from three, averaged about fourteen points a game. They do have a transfer from Florida State, Matthew Cleveland. He was the ACC Sixth Man of the Year two years ago. They also have Norchad O'Meara. Coming back, 13 points a game, 10 rebounds. He was third team, all ACC. Interesting tidbit about uh, Omir. He's from Nicaragua. You know, you don't hear a, a whole yeah. lot of players coming from Nicaragua. You think maybe, uh, you know, soccer or, or, or baseball. Baseball, yeah. Yeah. Five men, they'll probably start Michael Nawako, uh, a freshman. Concerns for Miami could be uh, like a front court death. I would say the ceiling for this team would be Sweet 16, and then for people around the program, seen as disappointing would be losing in the second round. Okay. From an analytics perspective, they were number 24 last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin, played with really good pace. They were at lead on offense, as our Cougar saw firsthand, being sixth nationally in offensive adjusted efficiency, and they were good on defense, ranking 99th. As you dig in deeper on offense, they shoot extremely well with effective field goal percentage ranked number 25th and protect the ball. On D, they rely on stealing the ball and getting quick points off those, ranking 20th in Hoslam metrics on that front. Only four new players, but lost two really good ones, as you highlighted. For my projected top three players, based on Bart Torvik's player box plus minus, had Nigel Pack, who was a plus 3.9. 
Norshad Omier plus 5.3. And then they're heavily relying on Matt Cleveland, who was only a minus 0.4 at Florida State. So we'll see how that goes. Now, moving forward, we've got number 17th, where we had Creighton, and they were eighth in both AP and coaches' polls preseason. When you talk about Creighton, Steve, I see them as a poor man's Duke, Duke of the Midwest. I really like watching Creighton play. Uh, they're only about two and a half hours from from where I live. Uh, hopefully, I'll get down sometime this year and see them play. I'd really like to see the Creighton-St. John's game in Omaha, but they made the Elite Eight last, Elite Eight last year. They were shot away from beating uh, San Diego State and advancing to the Final Four. They returned three players, highlighted by big uh, big man Ryan Kalkbrenner and Baylor Shireman. He was a transfer from South Dakota State University, uh, six six foot seven three man. Trey Alexander, six four shooting guard, averaged thirteen points a game, forty one percent three point shooter. They did lose Ryan Nemhard to Gonzaga. Arthur Kaluma was a big loss to them in the portal. Key additions. And since uh, I had a mug of hot cocoa once in uh, Logan, Utah, when I went to Utah State back in the day, I kind of I kind of watch a few a few Utah State games. But they did pick up point guard Stephen Ashworth from from the Aggies of Utah State. Forty three percent shooter from three. Can't leave him open. He's he's a dead eye. And then they also picked up Jonathan Lawson, a six foot six guard from from Memphis. So. Uh, when you look at Creighton, it's going to be a solid starting five. Their four man is probably going to be a six foot ten former Virginia player and four star recruit Isaac Trout. I think that was a solid pickup for them. Ceiling for this team, I think, is uh, Sweet Sixteen. Seen as disappointing from people around the program, would probably be losing in the round of thirty two. Okay. They were 12th last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. Average pace was ranked 143 in the country, so they were average. They were elite on O with adjusted efficiency margin ranked number 23rd, and shockingly even better on D, where they were 14th. As you dig in deeper on offense, they shoot extremely well, and especially on twos, ranking 20th in the country. And they also shoot free throws extremely well, ranking 11th. On D, they defend the two well, ranking 25th, offensive rebound like heck, and they don't foul. They've got six new players, all but one are freshmen. For my projected top three players, I've got Trey Alexander at plus 6.2, Ryan Kalkbrenner at plus 10, and Baylor Shireman at plus 6.8. Now, going to number 16th, we had St. Mary's, who was ranked 23rd in both AP and Coaches Bowl. What do you think, Tom? St. Mary's is actually... Picked, I think it was in the coaches' poll to actually win the West Coast Conference, the WCC over Gonzaga. That doesn't happen too uh, too much. Wow. I really like the I really like the St. Mary's program. Uh, Randy Bennett, very very good coach. You, know, you never hear you know rumors about Bennett wanting to leave. You know you can you can re- respect that. He he knows who he is, and and it looks like he's at St. Mary's for a while. They return first team all WCC. Aiden Mahoney, Mitchell Saxon, five man at six foot ten. And then they return Alex Dukas, who averaged 12 points a game, uh, four rebounds a game. Going back to Saxon, he was a 12-point scorer, eight-rebound eight guy. Last year, they were number five seed. Sweet 16, I'd see him as their ceiling. Seen as disappointing. They don't get out of the first round. Tidbit here for you, Steve. Four Australians on the team. Yeah. And, uh, and one Lithuanian. 
Yeah, I completely agree. He keeps it up too. Year after year, he just keeps getting them in. Now, from an analytics perspective, they were number 13th last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. Played at a snail's pace, ranking 359th in adjusted tempo. They were high good on offense, but elite on defense with defensive adjusted efficiency at 10th. As you look more closely on offense, nothing stands out. They do everything reasonably well. On D, they defend every shot, and especially the two, ranking 23rd in the country. Plus, they defensive rebound like heck, ranking second there as well. Only four new players, all are freshmen. For my projected top three players, I've got Aiden Mahaney at plus 3.2, Alex Dukas at plus 7.4, and Mitchell Saxon at plus 5.2. Next up, we have Baylor at number 15th, and they were preseason ranked 20th in the AP poll and 17th in the coaches poll. What do you think? Steve, I believe we had Baylor third in the Big 12 after uh, Kansas and, and U of H, led by Scott Drew. They're going to have possibly two five-star freshmen in the starting lineup. They do lose LJ Cryer to U of H. They lost Devontae George to the NBA. So they uh, they did lose some some firepower, but they do have talent coming back. So, uh, you know, I don't, don't expect anything different from Scott Drew's Baylor program this year. They're going to be a tough out in the Big 12. Yeah, as you said, we've covered them last week in the Big 12 overview. They were 16th last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin, played at a slow pace, were exceptional on offense, ranking second in offensive adjusted efficiency margin, but dropped off big time from the last few years on the defensive side. But really, I think the only thing I'll add is I think that was an aberration. Help is on the way with seven new players, three that are highly touted freshmen. For my projected top three players, based on Bart Torvik's player box plus minus, I had Ray J. Dennis, the transfer from Toledo at plus 5.0, Jalen Bridges at plus 7.4, and five-star freshman Jacoby Walker as the three to look out for. Now, going to number 14th, we had Texas A&M, and they were preseason ranked 15th in the AP poll and 19th in the coaches poll. A&M last year... Steve, 25-10, they finished 15-3 and in the SEC. That was a really, really good record in the SEC. They only lost three games. They ended up, though, as only a number seven seed, and uh, it makes people wonder, uh, did the tournament selection crew, uh, they might not like some comments Buzz made back when he was coaching Virginia Tech about not getting into the tournament. So, you know, that, that looked like a high seed for the kind of record they had. He was Buzz was the SEC coach of the year. And like Coach Sampson, he prides himself on his teams being scrappy. He has eight players coming back. I put a red flag down. They lost in the first round last year uh, to Penn State. Uh, that's that's never good when you have the season, you know, the regular season that they did, and then you lose in losing the first round. They also returned first team All SEC guard uh, Wade Taylor the fourth. I'm not sure how good the first three Wade Taylors were, but I know Wade Taylor the fourth is is, is really mm-hmm. good. Portal additions from Middle Tennessee State. They have guard uh, Eli Lawrence, and then they also picked a portal transfer from Illinois, Chicago. Another guard looks like Jace Carter. Ceiling, I would say a number two seed, elite eight appearance for AM. That's their ceiling. Flip side. Seen as disappointing would be uh, losing in losing in the second round, so not making it to the Sweet 16. Okay. They were number 33 last year in Ken Palm's overall adjusted efficiency margin, 
play at a slow pace. They were excellent on offense, ranked number 34. High good on defense. As you look more closely on offense, they actually shot poorly, but they offensive rebound like heck, ranking fifth, and got to the line a lot, being third in the country on that front. On D, nothing stands out other than forcing turnovers and scoring quickly off of turnovers. Got six new players, three freshmen for my projected top three players. I've got Tyrese Radford at plus 5.3, Wade Taylor at plus 9.3, and Henry Coleman at plus 3.5. Next up, we've got Tennessee at 12th, and they were preseason ranked 9th in the AP poll and 10th in the coaches poll. What do you think, Tom? Well, when you think of Tennessee basketball, you think of uh, Rick Barnes, and you th- you think of uh, really good defense. Uh, they were number one in Ken Palm defic- defensive efficiency last year. They made a Sweet 16 trip. They only allowed 57.9 points a game. You know, that's really good playing the competition they play. They did lose uh, four key players. Red flag, Steve, for Tennessee. In each of the five trips to the NCAAs under Barnes, they've lost to a lower seed. And in some of those games, it was, uh, uh, you know, the difference between Tennessee seed and the team that beat them was, uh, was like three, four, five, six seeds higher. They do return point guard Ziegler. They do return the shooting guard Viscovi. That's a, that's a good backcourt to start with. And they did bring in a transfer we saw last year. I don't know if you were at the Northern Colorado U of H game last year, but uh, it was the first game of the year. He's going to come off the bench. He's Dalton Connect. We shut him down, though, last year against us. He only shot three for 10, had seven points. He did average 20-something points uh, for Northern Colorado, so he'll he's a, he's a big addition. I'd say the ceiling for this team is a sweet 16. A disappointing season for uh, for them would be losing to a lower seed again in the, in the tournament. And if they do, that would be six trips under Rick Barnes that they've lost to a lower seed. Okay. From an analytics perspective, they were number six last year in Kempom overall adjusted efficiency margin, played a slow pace. They were good on offense, but really the best D in the country with defensive adjusted efficiency ranking of number one. As you look more deeply on offense, they actually shot poorly, turned the ball over, but offense rebounded like heck, ranking sixth and scored quickly off for turnovers, ranking 16th in Haslam metrics. On defense, they're excellent across the board, challenging every shot where they were number three in effective field goal percentage, number one for two-point field goal percentage D, while also forcing a ton of turnovers. They've got seven new players, five being freshmen. For my projected top three players, I've got Santiago Vescovi at plus 8.6, Sakai Ziegler at plus 7.7, and Dalton Connect at plus 4.2, the Northern Colorado transfer. So at 12, we've got San Diego State University, and they were preseason ranked 17th in the AP poll and 15th in the coaches poll. What do you think about San Diego State? Steve, the big story about San Diego State is them making the championship game last year. So great season for for them. Uh, They play in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, That's a conference I have a lot of respect for. Watch a lot of those games because they come on a little bit later at night and, uh, you know, get a chance to see to see them, all the attentions on their games at night. Bottom line, they returned five players. Uh, they add two portals. They add three frosh. They add USC transfer Reese Dixon Waters. Uh, he was the Pac-12 sixth man of the year. Overall, I think their ceiling this year, Sweet 16 uh, team would be the ceiling. Disappointing would be losing in the first round, not, not advancing. 
Okay. From a analytics perspective, they were 14th last year in Kempom overall adjusted efficiency margin. Played a slow pace. They were good on offense and exceptional defense with defensive adjusted efficiency ranking of number four. As you zero in on offense, they actually shot very poorly, but got more shots than opponents, ranking 37th in Haslametric's field goal attempts rate. On D, they challenged every shot, ranking 20th in effective field goal percentage, especially good defending the three. They've got five new players, three being freshmen. My projected top three players are Darian Trammell at plus 3.9, Reese Waters, uh, the USC transfer at plus 0.3, and Jaden Ledee at a plus 5.7. Next, we're on to number 11th, where we have Gonzaga, and they were 11th in the AP preseason poll and 12th in the coaches poll. Okay, Steve, when you talk about Gonzaga, you know, solid program. Uh, they're kind of perceived as one of the elite programs in the country. Uh, the talent level is not as good as it's been, you know, the last couple of years, but they're still going to be a, a good team. They lose Drew Timmy, and they also lose their number two and number four score. They do uh, have the number 10 transfer class, though. They bring in the really good point guard from Creighton, Ryan Nimhard, whose brother played uh, for Mark Fuick and Saga. They bring in a postman from Wyoming, Graham Ike. And then they bring in the Big Sky Player of the Year, Steve Venters, who played for Eastern Washington University. I'd say the ceiling for this year's Gonzaga team, I'd say Sweet 16. Uh, seen as disappointing, I would say not making the not making the Sweet 16. Tidbit about Gonzaga, like St. Mary's, like Arizona, they get foreign players. They got one from Croatia. They have one from Serbia. They actually have a player from South Korea, so... Uh, wow. That's my little uh, tidbits on Gonzaga. Okay. They were number eight last year in Kempom overall adjusted efficiency margin. Played a fast pace, ranking 39th. Every year they're a lead on offense, ranking first in adjusted efficiency last year and good on D at number 73. As you dig in deeper on offense, they shoot extremely well with effective field goal percentage, ranking second in the country, and are equally adept at shooting from either twos or threes. They also don't turn the ball over on D. They don't challenge shots, but they're good at defensive rebounding and not fouling when they're defending. Finally, there's no Drew Timmy with eight new players, (laughs) five being freshmen. For my projected top three players, We've got Anton Watson at plus 8.0, Ryan Nemhart, the transfer from Creighton at plus 3.3, and Nolan Hickman at plus 2.4. Now, moving to number nine, we have Arkansas, and they were preseason ranked 14th in both AP and coaches poll. What do you think? Okay, Steve, Arkansas, led by Eric Musselman, comes from the NBA, NBA background. He's probably pretty adept at getting rosters uh, every year, trying to trying to put them together quickly. Arkansas returns only five players, so they pit, hit the portal hard. You know, the joke uh, after the season was over with and the portal was open was that uh, you know Arkansas was getting uh, you know come come to Arkansas. All right, they were hitting the portal hard. Nine newcomers. I had seven from the portal uh, last year. Twenty two and fourteen, eight and ten. They end up a nine seed, but they did beat number one seed Kansas. That was Kansas without Bill Self. We'll never know how much of an impact that had, not having Coach Self, Hall of Fame coach on the sideline, uh, not to take anything away from Arkansas. So a, a big win for Arkansas last year. 
He transfers Tramon Mark from U of H, Galif Battle from Temple, two solid players. They also have a transfer, L. Ellis from Louisville. Last year averaged uh, 18 points per game. That's the good news. The bad news is that he comes off, you know, he played for a 4-28 uh, Louisville team. Devontae Davis is the lone returning starter. You might see L. Ellis and Devontae Davis in the backcourt with Khalif Battle coming off the bench, which he's pretty used to because <laughs> last year yeah. Damian Dunn and uh, Khalif Battle, for reasons we don't know, didn't start for Temple last year. Their three men's probably going to be Tramon Mark. Bottom line, might, might take time for all the new players to gel. I'd say the ceiling for this team is the Sweet 16. A disappointing season for them would be losing in the round of 32. They were 22nd last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. They play fast. They were high good on offense and excellent on defense with defensive adjusted efficiency at rank number 17th. As you look more closely on offense, they're okay across the board and really try to manufacture points by getting to the line with an exceptional free throw attempt to field goal attempt ratio in Ken Palm, ranking 23rd. And they get quick points off of steals. On D, they challenge every shot and they get lots of blocks, ranking number 20th and steals where they're 25th. Eight new players, six from the transfer portal. For my projected top three players, I've got Devontae Davis at plus 2.6. Trevon Brazil at plus 5.4, and of course, former UH player Tremont Mark at plus 4.2. Now we're on to number nine, where we have Arizona, and we're going to do a deeper dive here. They were preseason ranked 12th in the AP and 11th in the coaches' poll. What do you think, Tom? Arizona, led by coach Tommy Lloyd, used to be an assistant for Mark Few at Gonzaga. I would say they underachieved, you know, last year. First round exit, they were number two seed. They lost to number fifteen Princeton, and you know that's when when you're a, when you're a seed like that, and you lose to a fifteen or a fourteen. You know, the a lot of people, a lot of fans, they lose their minds. But uh, some of these teams, like Princeton, Penn, we're going to see Penn this year. U of H is you don't see their style a whole lot. Princeton didn't run what the Pete Carrill Princeton offense, but they do run uh, something similar. So a lot of times, uh, you know, you don't want to see a team like Colgate, Princeton, on the NCAA tournament when the when the bracket comes out. Uh, nonetheless, first round exit for uh, for Arizona, bitter taste in their in their mouth. They're going to return Larson, Balo, Boswell. They lose uh, to Bellis, who went off to the NBA. They lose uh, the point guard Kirk Creesa, who went to West Virginia. In my opinion, they're getting a little bit tougher. Arizona's a little bit tougher team uh, now that Creesa's gone. I wasn't a big fan of uh, Kirk Creesa. I don't know. Just uh, I just wasn't a fan. Uh, he'll probably come back and kill us at West Virginia when they play U of H. But that's right. I think they I think they've added some length and some toughness to be better defensively. They do add Kata Bluff from North Carolina, and they add Jaden Bradley, another guard from Bama. Projected starting lineup. Could have Jaden Bradley at the one, Caleb Love at the two. Uh, Love only shot 30% from three, probably because of shot selection. You know, you take better shots, you're going to shoot a higher percentage. Uh, Might have Kylan, Keelan Boswell come off the bench. Pell Larson, probably at the three spot. They do have a freshman from Lithuania, Polyus Maraskis. He'll probably see some playing, a lot of playing time at the three. Uh, your four-man is a transfer from San Diego State, Keisha Johnson. There's another foreign foreign player from Estonia. That's uh, Henry Visar, seven-footer. 
Your five man is uh, Omar Balo, Pac-12 most improved player. You have another Lithuanian, another freshman. He's a seven seven foot two, Modigius Krivas. Tidbit about Arizona: four seven footers, Steve, on their roster. Wow. They have a Spaniard. They have a Serbian. They have a Lithuanian. A, uh, a guy from Sweden. One from Estonia, and they actually have one from from England. Ceiling for this team, I would say, Final Four. Seen as disappointing, not making the Elite Eight. I mean, they were 11th last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. They played a fast pace, ranked 13th. Every year, they've been elite on offense with Lloyd, ranking 10th in adjusted efficiency last year. And we're just great on D as well, with adjusted efficiency on that side at 39th in the country. As you dig in deeper on offense, they shoot extremely well with field goal percentage ranked third in the country and are equally adept at either twos or threes. They're basically a mini Gonzaga on offense. On D, they challenge shots and they're especially good at defending the twos, ranking 32nd in the country. Seven new players, four being freshmen. So for my projected top three players, I've got Omar Balo at plus 7.6, Pele Larson at plus 5.2, and the mercurial Caleb Love at plus 1.8, the transfer from UNC. Now doing a deeper dive, I believe Arizona is going to be elite, and I love how Lloyd teams play. I also believe he's evolving to emphasize D more as time goes on. The most fascinating thing about this team to me is how Lloyd did an addition by subtraction by letting Kerr Kreese go, but then turned around and replaced him with Caleb Love, who had the exact same type of reputation at UNC. So is this going to result in a wash? Because they were basically within 0.1 in player box plus minus. Now, Truthfully, I actually believe it will actually work out because Kreisa played the point guard where you need a steady hand to control the game. And with Keelan Boswell now playing the point for Lloyd in Arizona, his player box plus minus, you know, granted in limited time was plus 5.4 and will make all the difference in, in how they play moving forward. Now, moving on at number eight, we have UConn and they were preseason number six in the AP poll and number five in the coaches poll. What do you think of UConn, Tom? UConn led by Danny Hurley. UConn kind of plays like uh, Danny did in college, you know, just like his brother Bobby. They're they're fiery. I think Danny had some, uh, I wouldn't say training, but he he got better on the sideline, not losing his mind all the time. You yeah, know, when you're, great. when you're, when you're, you can't coach mad, you know, use when you lose your head, you know, uh, he was a little more calm on the sideline. And I think that made a huge difference uh, in, in UConn season. If you ask the average college basketball fan, you know, how many championships has UConn won? Not many will realize they've won five, uh, five national yeah, championships. Incredible. You know, that puts them up there with, uh, you know, schools like Carolina, Kansas, Indiana. Nobody's up there with UCLA because they had that run with uh, Coach John Wooden. Uh, UConn loses uh, two players to the NBA. They lose Jordan Hawkins, Adama, Sonogo. Are off to the NBA. They return five players. They get new player, uh, eight new players. Only one from the portal. Cam Spencer from Rutgers is the one from the portal. Key returnees they have is uh, four man Alex Caravan, forty two percent shooter from three, average nine points a game, four rebounds. A guy I really like is uh, seven foot two Donovan Klingen. 
yeah. who averaged seven points and six rebounds a game. He was great. I think I think you're going to see a huge leap in in his game this year. It, I just I just like his energy, you know, his uh, just his skill set. I would say the ceiling for this team, Final Four this year, seen as disappointing, not making not making the Sweet Sixteen. Obviously, the defending champions, they were number one last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin, played a slow pace. They're exceptional on offense at number three in an offensive adjusted efficiency, as well as D, where they were ranked seventh. As you look more closely on offense, they shot well, being equally adept at shooting both twos and threes, and they offense rebound like crazy, ranking second. On defense, excellent across the board, challenging every shot ranking number five in effective field goal percentage, being equally good at defending both twos and threes. They were also great at blocking shots, ranking 25th in block percentage. They've got six new players, five being freshmen. Projected top three players based on Bart Torvik's player box plus minus had Tristan Newton at plus 6.1, Alex Caravan at plus 6.6, and Donovan Klingen. Now, granted, this is limited amount of time, but he was a plus 11.4, which is crazy. Now, moving on to number six, we have Michigan State. And boy, the polls love them because they were fourth in both the AP and coaches preseason poll. What are your thoughts on Michigan State? Michigan State, Steve, another program led by Hall of Fame coach and uh, Tom Izzo. They did pick up uh, the nation's third-ranked class, so they'll ha- they'll have some uh, young guys that are going to have to mesh in th- with their uh, four starters that they return. This team upset number two seed Marquette. Uh, Michigan State was a seven seed uh, doing that, um, but the strengths of this team are going to be their Hall of Fame coach, their guard play, their experience. They really don't. I don't know, Steve, if, if you came across this, but I had uh, no transfers for uh, for Michigan State, right. which is which is unbelievable. You know, in this day and age of college basketball, th- there's something to be said for continuity in today's game. As long as you have good players and good coaches, you know, you can have continuity and, and not have a whole lot of talent coming back. But you know, when you have when you have talent, you have uh, you know continuity coming back. That's a that's a huge factor, I believe, in college basketball. I think they're going to challenge Purdue for the Big Ten title, and I have a little tidbit here. Michigan State's the last Big Ten Big Ten team to win a national championship that came in year two thousand. Ceiling for this team, I would say national champs. Seen as disappointing, not making the Elite Eight. Wow. Yeah, I mean they were number twenty six last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. Played at a slow pace. They were excellent on offense, ranking 27th in offensive adjusted efficiency and just outside my top 40 threshold for being great with defensive adjusted efficiency. If you look more closely on offense, it all revolved around the three-point shot with three-point field goal percentage ranking set third. Boy, I'm screwing this one up. <laughs> Making their free throws as well. On D, nothing stands out. They were good across the board. Four new players, all freshmen. Izzo doesn't like to use the portal much, as you highlighted earlier on. So if you project out the top three players, they're all returners with Tyson Walker at plus 5.2, A.J. Hoggard at plus 4.7, and Jaden Akins at plus 4.8. Now, tied for six with Michigan State, we had Houston, who was preseason ranked seventh in the AP poll and sixth in the coaches poll. 
Steve, a little tidbit about U of H here before we get started. We just had a commitment from Chase McCarty, a four-star, probably uh, probably be seen Very as a three-man. Yeah, so, that he goes along with the recruiting class with uh, Mercy Miller, who's a four-star shooting guard at, at 6'4". So that's uh, so far, that's a good recruiting class. Two four-stars uh, are there. Uh, when you talk about U of H basketball, you got to talk about the Sampsons, uh, Hall of Fame coach Kelvin Sampson. His teams are going to be tough. They're going to play defense. They're going to rebound. They're going to offensive rebound. They're going to share the ball, uh, share the basketball and offense. You got a good core coming back. Jamal Shed, a point guard. You have uh, Jawan Roberts as one of our as one of our bigs. Uh, we're not at practice, so we don't know who's going to start. But you're probably looking at uh, you know Jamal at the at the point guard. Probably looking at LJ Cryer at shooting guard. Uh, Damian Dunn or Terrence Arsenal at the three, and that's a really good. That's a that's a good problem to have when you are either going to start Damian Dunn from Temple, you know, he averaged like 15 points a game, or you're going to start Terrence Arsenal, who a lot of NBA scouts really really love. Four man, probably play Jawan at at the four. Probably have uh, Javier JVA Javier Francis <laughs> at, at at the five. First big man off the bench is probably going to be uh, Joseph Tugler, who everybody is excited about. I haven't yeah. seen him play yet, but um, looking looking forward to that. Bench is going to be solid. You have Emmanuel Sharp uh, coming in to play the one or the two. If Dunn doesn't start, you know you'll have him coming off. If Arsenal doesn't start, he'll he'll uh, coming off the bench. I like Milik Wilson. I know he had a hand injury uh, at practice. We'll see yeah. how that uh, that comes around. I'm probably missing some some players here. I know I'm missing a guard. Uh, solid roster. It'll be interesting to see how Coach Sampson meshes these guys. Uh, you know, and how playing time is is uh, uh, divvied out. But today is October 16th. It's only 12 days till we get to see him play in an exhibition against uh, University of North Carolina Pembroke. Yep. That's where Can't Coach Sampson. Camps, Coach Sampson graduated from from there, so I think I speak for most Houston Cougar basketball fans. We uh, we can't wait to see this year's edition uh, play. Yeah, extremely exciting. We were second last year in Kempom overall adjusted efficiency margin. As we all know, we play at a snail's pace. Uh, we are exceptional on offense, ranking 11th in offensive adjusted efficiency. And defense, we were ranked 5th. As you look more closely on offense, we didn't shoot well, but we offensive rebound like heck, and we protect the ball, ranking 28th in turnover percentage. On D, we're elite across the board. We challenge every shot, whether it's a two or a three. To top it off, we're also great at blocking shots and even stealing the ball in the last couple of years. We've got seven new players, four being freshmen. My projected top three are Juwan Roberts at plus 8.5, Jamal Shedd at plus 5.7, and the Baylor transfer, LJ Cryer, at plus 5.0. Now next, we're at number five, where we reach FAU. It's another deep dive. They're preseason ranked 10th in the AP and 9th in the coaches' poll. What do you think of FAU? Steve, FAU intrigues me. They were a really fun team to watch last year, 35-4 and four record. They're moving over to the American Athletic Conference so we'll get to see FAU and uh, our good old buddy Penny duke it out in the American. Their roster was kept intact from the team that made the Final Four. Coach Dusty May, first four seasons, he was only slightly above 500, but he really got he really got them rolling last year. 
Uh, they return co-AAC Player of the Year, John L. Davis and Elijah Martin. And these are preseason picks here, co-AAC Players of the Year. They also have the the big guy, the seven foot one, two hundred forty pound Russian via Texas Tech, uh, Vladislav Golden, who really came on toward yep. the end of the year. Uh, there's some Steve. There's some doubters out there about FAU. They don't know if they can uh, they can repeat this. But any team that makes the Final Four and returns pretty much their whole roster intact, I'm 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 not I'm not seeing the doubt there. I'm really high on FAU. Beat Memphis last year in the NCAA tournament, 66-65. Uh, they were beat at the buzzer by San Diego State. I don't know if you remember that game, but uh, yeah. you know FAU was just they were they were right there from making the, uh, the heartbreaker. The, yep, yep, the championship game. I'd say their ceilings the Final Four. Disappointing, in my opinion, it would be uh, not making it at least to the Sweet 16. Little uh, little tidbit on FAU, their Super secret scrimmage this year is against Carolina, North Carolina. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, I wish I could be there. <laughs> <laughs> now, from an analytics perspective, they were number seventeenth last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. Played at a good pace. They were excellent on both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. Ranking twenty second on offense, thirty fourth on defense. As you look more closely on offense, they shot well with effective field goal percentage ranking 24th in the country, and they were equally adept at twos and threes. On defense, they challenge every shot with effective field goal percentage ranking number 16th, but they were especially focused on two-point field goal percentage with their seven-footer kind of anchoring the defense. They have almost everyone back with only two new players, all are freshmen. For my projected top three players, I've got Janelle Davis at plus 7.5, Elijah Martin at plus 6.7, and Vlad Golden at plus 4.4. But though the stats are impressive, most are probably questioning why we've got them ranked 5th instead of around 10th like the AP and Coaches Bowl, or you could even argue maybe 20th, right, given the stats. And it's a fair question. Uh, And I'll just say that my heart is speaking a little bit in this case because I just truly love how they play. Dusty Bay is playing the ultimate modern game, in my opinion, with truly four guards out and one big the whole game long. He's got an old-school back-to-the-basket seven-footer in golden inside, and four perimeter players, none taller than six foot four. Even with an undersized three and fours, they cut hard and attack the rim on offense, and it requires that everyone blocks out hard, hits the boards, and challenges every shot on D. Reminds me of the 88-89 Lou Henson Illini team with Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle, and Kendall Gill around a Lowell Hamilton in the middle. Really a style of play that helps you advance at tourney time with all the great ball handlers and perimeter defenders on the floor with a shot blocker anchoring the D. Anyways, heading to number three, we have Marquette, and they were preseason ranked fifth in the AP poll and seventh in the coaches poll. What do you think of Marquette, Tom? Marquette led by Shaka Smart. They have 85% of the minutes coming back from a team that went 29-7. and Highlighted by preseason Big East Player of the Year, Tyler Kolek. Red flag for Marquette, though, Steve, as they lost as a two-seed in the second round to number 7 Michigan State. This team, I see their ceiling as national champions. 
seen as disappointing, not making the Elite Eight. Marquette was 10th last year in Kempom overall adjusted efficiency margin. Good pace. They were elite on offense, ranking 7th in offensive adjusted efficiency. It almost hit our top 40 threshold on D, ranking 43rd. As you look more closely on offense, they shot exceptionally well with effective field goal percentage, ranking number 7th. Focusing on twos, primarily ranking fourth in two-point field goal percentage and getting quick points off of steals where they were ranked 19th in Hosel metrics. On defense, they don't really focus on challenging the shooters, but they do pressure the ball and try to turn you over, ranking 18th in turnover percentage and number 10th in steals. They get almost everyone back with four new players all being freshmen. For my projected top three players, I've got Tyler Kolick at plus 8.1, also Igudaro at plus 7.9, and Cam Jones at plus 7.4. Next up, we're into our final three with Duke at number three, and they were preseason AP poll number two and coaches poll number three. What do you think of Duke? Steve, the big story with Duke is uh, is the second year of John Shire after Coach Mike Shushevsky coaching there for, you know, was was like 40 years or so. Duke had a good season last year, 27-9. and nine. They ended up being a five seed. They were the ACC tournament champions. They did have a second-round exit to Tennessee, though, that kind of uh, kind of soured their season. They didn't add one player out of the portal. They have experience, and plus they have talented young players. You're looking at their starting five. You're probably looking at Jeremy Roach uh, at, the, at the point guard, averaged about 14 points a game. You have Tyrese Proctor as a freshman, nine points a game, three rebounds, three assists. TJ Power is a five star. He's probably going to be maybe a, a four man. He's six foot ten. You have another five star guard coming in, Jer- uh, Jared McCain, a guy who might start, come off the bench is uh, Mark Mitchell, nine points, five rebounds a game, thirty five percent from three. Key player here. He's the ACC Rookie of the Year. He was the ACC Tournament MVP. Is Kyle Filipowski, averaged 15 points, nine rebounds again uh, a game. Tidbit: I mentioned McCain, five-star guard, very popular on TikTok. He's got two million followers, Steve, on TikTok. <laughs> All right, nice. Uh, another tidbit about McCain is that he was considered as a true freshman as as the team captain. He, you know, he. Wasn't voted on as a team, ta- uh, team captain, but there were some veteran players that they were considering him to be a, a team captain. I think that's pretty impressive. I'd say they're seedling. They can be national champions. Uh, disappointing seasons for them, I think, would be uh, not, making, not making the final four. Okay. They were 18th last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin at a way slower pace than what Coach K used to have them with a ranking of 298th in adjusted tempo. They were strong on offense, right at our threshold of number 40 in terms of offensive adjusted efficiency, and excellent on D, where they were ranked 16th. As you look more closely on offense, they didn't shoot great, but they did offensive rebound like heck and shot free throws well. On D, they are exceptional at challenging every shot, ranking 15th in effective field goal percentage defense, being equally adept at defending both twos and threes. They're also great at blocking shots. Basically, if you look at the stats, they're like a mini University of Houston now on defense, which is really telling of how they play now. Only four new players, all are freshmen. For my projected top three players, 
I've got Kyle Filipowski at plus 6.4, Tyrese Proctor at plus 2.5, and Jeremy Roach at plus 2.4. But as you highlighted, look out for freshman Jared McCain, who UH was really hard on during the recruiting cycle. They expect him to get some minutes pretty early on. Now at number two, we've got Purdue. And they were preseason ranked AP number three, coaches poll number two. What do you think of Purdue? Steve, the big story of Purdue is what is what happened last year when they were a number one seed and they lost to a number 16 to Fairleigh Dickinson University. I don't know if you looked at the Ken Palm yesterday and saw where Fairleigh Dickinson yeah. is this year. They were in the 300s, I believe. Yep. So I think the heat's on uh, Coach Matt Painter. They return everybody except for two players. The big returner for Purdue is uh, Zach Eady. If he's not the best big man, big man in the country, uh, you know he's him and probably Hunter Dickinson are the top top two big men. Uh, they return shooter Fletcher Lawyer. They won the Big Ten regular season, and they also won the uh, the Big Ten tournament. Finished uh, twenty nine and six, but that doesn't mean anything if you can't get it done during the uh, during the tournament. They do get a transfer from Southern Illinois, Lance Jones, turn all five starters. Red flag, Steve, 32% from three last year as a, as a team. And then five for 26 from three-point land versus Fairleigh Dickinson. Ceiling, they don't choke, national champions. <laughs> and then uh, seen as disappointing, uh, not, make, not making the final four, so... You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on on Purdue heading into the NCAA tournament next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were they were seventh last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. Played at a super slow pace. They were elite on offense, ranking twelfth in offensive adjusted efficiency, and excellent on defense at number twenty four. As you look more closely on offense, they didn't shoot great, but they did offensive rebound like heck. And got to the line a lot. On D, they're really strong at challenging every shot, ranking 40th in effective field goal percentage, being equally adept at defending both twos and threes. But surprisingly, only ranked 53rd in two-point field goal percentage defense, especially with someone the size of Edie in there. They've got four new players, three being freshmen. For my projected top three players, we've got Zach Eady at an astounding plus 14.3. I don't think I've seen another number that big in player plus minus. Then they've got Braden Smith at plus 6.6 and Fletcher Lawyer at plus 1.9. And now finally, we're at number one where we both had Kansas and both AP and Coaches Poll had Kansas number one as well. So you want to give a summary on Kansas, Tom? Yes, Steve. A couple of uh, uh, things about Kansas. The big story over the offseason was the addition of Hunter Dickinson from from Michigan. Uh, Also, Bill Self had that heart condition last year, set out the NCAA tournament. Not sure what kind of effect it'll have on his coaching uh, going forward. But, you know, you look at some coaches in the past that had some uh, heart conditions. uh, You know, it's it's tough to come back. Uh, You had... You know Rick Majerus. You had uh, uh, Don Haskins uh, that had these had these heart problems. So you know, hopefully in Bill Self's case, he comes back and and uh, you know there's 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 no health problems for him. But like I said, the big addition was Hunter Dickinson. Bill Self he knows how to use his uh, his big man. So you're going to see the offense run run through Hunter Dickinson. They return Kevin McCuller, kind of like a Swiss Army knife. He's a glue guy. 
point guard could possibly be the best point guard in the, in the country. So Kansas has talent. They're going to be uh, uh, greatly coached. And when you play them at home, you got to play them in Fog Allen Fieldhouse, which, in my opinion, is the number one basketball cathedral in the country. So yep. look for look for Kansas and University of Houston to battle it out in the Big 12. But overall, uh, I'd put Kansas at number one to start the season. Nice. And I completely agree. I mean, they were number nine last year in Ken Palm overall adjusted efficiency margin. Good pace, excellent on offense yet again at number 25 in offensive adjusted efficiency, and even better on defense, ranking 11th. When you dig deeper on offense, they didn't do anything great, but they were just balanced in doing everything well, and then they became excellent overall on offense. That's just great coaching. On defense, they challenged every shot, ranking 32nd in effective field goal percentage defense. But they're especially good at defending the threes last year, ranking 30th, and stealing ball, ranking 17th. Six new players, three being freshmen, and scholarships are not fully allocated this season, which is an oddity. So they really can't afford to have any more injuries heading into the year. But for my projected top three players, we've got Hunter Dickinson at plus 9.3, Kevin McCuller at plus 6.0, and Dewan Harris at plus 6.0 as well. So that's it for our national top 25 preview in episode three of the No Conference for Old Men podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. And again, would really appreciate it if you listen in, follow or subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate and would love any and all of your support to reinforce our view that there is an appetite out there for the type of deep hoops insight we're trying to provide. And please provide a rating and feedback. By the way, we do appreciate the five star kind. Also, give us a follow on Twitter. No conference for old men. Thank you all again for listening. And episode four will come out next week with finally our previews of actual games moving forward. So please be on the lookout to listen and download next week. Thanks again.